Today's Issues continues on AFR with your host, Tim Wildman, president of the American Family Association. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the uh, program Today's Issues on American Family Radio. I'm Tim Wildman with Fred Jackson and uh, and Ray Pritchard, and uh, we thank you for listening. Joining us now in studio is Steve Jordahl. Good afternoon in New York, and good morning everywhere else. How are you, Steve? I'm well. I'm yeah. well. Uh, we have in studio with us, and we're going to get back to this conversation in just a moment, uh, Rabbi Pesach Woliki. He is from Israel, and he's visiting the U.S. and uh, is in. He's uh, so he's with us here on AFR in studio today. We got a lot more to talk to him about. I wanted to talk to you, Steve, about your your shirt right now. <laughs> yeah, you got it. For those who are watching on Facebook, because <laughs> uh, YouTube, maybe YouTube put us on timeout because they knew what kind of shirt you were going to wear today. Which camera are we on? Bruce? I don't know. So Facebook, uh, Steve is wearing a shirt. Uh, the reason we bring this up is because why, Steve? Well, I bought the shirt at a men's warehouse in California because it was said made in Madagascar on it. I grew up as a missionary's kid in Madagascar for six or so years, five or six years. And so I just thought Now, did you cool. stumble upon it or did, yeah. you go, did, you, did you go out seeking a Madagascar shirt? No, just, just happened to be in the store and happened to look at it. So I didn't I know like Madagascar it. was a big... Clothing. Sweatshop uh, area. <laughs> uh, you said that. I didn't. Yeah, I know. Uh, um, yeah. I've never heard of anything made in Madagascar either. Yeah. But <laughs> what were you, what, Fred, looking at Steve's shirt, how would you describe it? Um, uh, kind of looks a floral, like. A floral arrangement? Kind of looks like it was a white piece of cloth. Yeah. And what they did was they had various buckets of different color paint, <laughs> and uh-huh. they threw it through a fan. <laughs> okay. uh, like a, like a Jackson Pollock painting, like that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it looks. It looks. It looks. Uh, is it like what kind of fabric is it? It's cotton or uh, a blend. Okay. Um, All right. And but you, you, you wouldn't have it's cared. It's a paisley. What, it's a paisley. It's a paisley. Pattern. Yeah, you wouldn't have really cared what. Just as long as it was made in Madagascar, because that's where you cool. grew up and you spent what? How many years in Madagascar? About five. Uh, five five years. years. What do we? What does the average uh, person listening out there not know about Madagascar that they need to, Steve? Uh, it's the fourth largest island in the world, and it has no penguins native to it. Right. It's warm climate? Yes, tropical. Well, the Tropic of Capricorn goes right through the middle of it, um, so south part is in the temperate zone. What's, but- so, what's so funny, Ray? Well, no penguins in Madagascar, right? <laughs> Better explain that reference. For well, yeah, the, there, there was a movie. The popular movies franchise Madagascar is right, about penguins right. who escape from a zoo and happen to end up in Madagascar. That, but it could happen. <laughs> it could. You mean I've, I was misled there by Hollywood on penguins and I, I think they didn't do their fact checking. <laughs> wow, that's uh, uh, that's. I'm disillusioned, <laughs> quite frankly, there. So sorry to break uh, the bubble. All right. So uh, anyway, well, I'm glad you got you a nice, comfortable Madagascar I do. shirt. And what what's the major religion over there since you guys were 
uh, missionaries. Was it? Is it mostly Muslim or? No, it's a mix of uh, Christian and animist. Uh, they call it Ashika. Uh, I am. Um, it's basically uh, ancestor worship mixed in with a little Christian symbol symbolism and such. Um, it's, a, it's a good mission field. There's a because there, there's enough. I think there's enough uh, Christian mix in there or shadows in there that they can understand the gospel. Yeah. But, I, I, I mean this question seriously, and then we'll move on here. Sure. And maybe this, if it's a long, long, long answer, then just say we'll get we'll cover later. How exactly do you worship an ancestor? They actually have a, a ritual where they dig up the body and take it out of. I'm the, not doing that. No. They spend. I, I am not doing no, that. They spend no, years no, no. worth of draw the line right there to honor their dead ancestors, and they bring them. Well, up. I hope they're dead if they're digging them up. Yeah. What, well, to honor them or to worship them? There's a point. difference. Yeah. yeah. Right. Bring in the rabbi here. No, go ahead. Right. You, you had a question. No, I just want to. They honor the ancestor or they worship the ancestor? I'm not sure. Um, okay. I, they pray. I think they pray to their ancestors, so it's just a little bit of worship. Uh-huh. Um, they think that that honoring the ancestor will bring them. What if your ancestors were bad people, like bank robbers or something? Oh, do, you still, I, do you still worship them? I don't know. I've never uh, run into. Well, you I lived was, there for five years. I know, but you I was a kid. See. I saw this all the time, but it was it's just a fascinating thing. They'll, just, they'll put them in. They're shrouded, but they'll put them on yeah. a litter and they'll walk around the town dancing and having a party. Uh huh. With this dug up corpse. With this dug up, dug up corpse, which could be a hundred years old. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Wow. Do, do, do those? Do they? Do they have visitation to join their group? I uh, know. I've never. I. I. I was never do they, invited. Do they, to... do they go out and evangelize and try to reach <laughs> others with this? Uh... Yeah. No. It's. It's not. Huh? That's Come not a... join us Saturday afternoon, <laughs> where we'll be digging up the graves three, four, and five at cemetery. It's a family. It's a family gathering. Huh. <laughs> me, me, meanwhile, Steve, nice shirt. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how. Listen, it's your. I don't know how I digress there. I don't know either. It's rare. <laughs> huh? All right, you're listening to today's issues. Uh, anyway, we want to get back to our more serious conversation here. We're talking about Israel and the Jewish people, and uh, the rabbi uh, uh, is here with us to uh, discuss this. Rabbi Pesach Woliki, spelled. Last name spelled W, and he said I uh, pronounced. You said I pronounced it right, right? You did. You did. Either in, even Southern English uh, that worked. Perfect. Well. Okay, perfect. You said W O L I C K I. And how long are you in the states, by the way? Uh, I arrived on Sunday. Yeah. On Sunday morning, early morning, uh, and I'm flying out Monday. That's short stay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but now, uh, fly Atlanta or, or New York. I'm going to fly from Atlanta to Newark and Newark to Israel. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Fred, finally yes. you get to ask your question. Yeah. I, uh, just before we went to news, I was. Fred, then Steve, then Ray. All right. Um, I, I guess what I was talking about is the way the mainstream media here in America and perhaps in Europe, and even to a certain extent, you have Haaretz, is it? Haaretz, yeah. Haaretz there in, in Jerusalem. New service. A new service there. So often, and I'll stick to, to American media, they demonize Israel. Israel's portrayed as the bad guy in the conflict with the Palestinians. And the, the word that's often used is, for the West Bank, it's occupied. Talk to us a little bit about that. Where, 
where does the mainstream media come up with this idea of that that somehow Israel is occupying something that belongs to somebody else? Well, they come up with it. It's actually inaccurate. It's inaccurate uh, legally, mm-hmm. like factually inaccurate. This isn't just a, a you know, that we choose different terms because we want to frame the argument differently. Let me explain what I mean, that it's, it's actually false. Um, it is illegal, according to international law, to occupy the territory of another nation. That's uh, according to all of the international laws that are supposed to govern uh, nations uh, today. The problem here is that if you, if you look at, at that territory and say, okay, who is in control of it now? Well, like since 1967, when the Israelis conquered that territory from, from Jordan, if we're talking about the West Bank or the Gaza or from e- or Egypt, if we're talking about the Gaza Strip, conquered it in defense of themselves. In defense of themselves, correct. Yes, Not, it wasn't an act of aggression. Where right, they, it was a defensive yeah. war, yeah. and they conquered it. But even so, even okay. if it had been, okay. uh, uh, well, let's talk about international law for a second. Who did they take it from? So I just mentioned Jordan, but Jordan, with regard to the West Bank, and the same is true of Egypt with regard to the Gaza Strip had never annexed those territories, meaning Judea and Samaria, which is what I prefer to call them, Yes. what, what people call the West Bank. Judea and Samaria were never annexed by Jordan. Jordan never laid real claim to them. And in fact, Jordan has, has openly said that they have no claim on that territory. Okay, so it wasn't really conquered from Jordan. So whose sovereign territory was it? Well, who had it before Jordan? Well, before Jordan, you had this mandate by the League of Nations for the, for the British to, to uh, govern the area for a few years after the Ottoman Empire fell apart. The Ottomans controlled this territory for centuries. And we're going to go back before them. I mean, we're already getting back to the Mamluks, and then we're going to go back to, you know, how far back are we going to go? Meaning there is no sovereign nation called Palestine, and there never was. Here's a, good, here's a good question that you can ask anyone who's advocating for the occupation or Palestine. Name me one historical figure from before the last few decades. Name me any historical figure who was ever the sovereign of Palestine. King, president, anything. Any political figure in, in, in all of human history who was the leader of the nation of Palestine. And they can't answer the question because there isn't one. There was no nation. Meaning that if, if I go out into those hills in Judea and Samaria and ask who owns this particular piece of land, any piece of land anywhere, like here in Tupelo, Mississippi, there's two answers. There's private ownership. You own territory. And then there's the fact that it belongs to the United States of America. Right? That's sovereignty. There is no sovereign nation over this, over this territory. It's actually a very ambiguous piece of territory. It's almost unique on, on the planet where you have a piece of territory that there's no country, there's no prior owner in that regard. There is private ownership over particular pieces of land when people have deeds. And certainly the Arabs who live there, the Palestinian Arabs who live there who own pieces of land, their property rights are honored and they own their land as private owners. But there is no Palestinian national territory which means that Israel is not an occupier. The correct term for these territories, and this is correct politically and legally, is they are disputed. It is disputed territory, but if calling it disputed territory already levels the playing field. When you call it occupied, then Israel becomes the aggressor. So 
that's, you know, Israel is painted as the aggressor, I believe, for the same reason, as I said uh, in the previous segment about why the left is anti-Israel. The, the concept, the idea that the Jewish people who live there today are not European interlopers, but are the people of Israel coming home. And the majority of Israelis aren't even from Europe. You'll sometimes hear people say that, but the majority of Israelis are from, are from Arab nations, from Morocco, Iraq, and other places like that. But we're from all over the world. The fact that the idea that the Jewish people have returned home and retaken our land after 2,000 years of exile is something that, that the left cannot accept. And, and therefore, they have to use this type of terminology and paint Israel as the aggressor. Good. Thank Steve. Uh, Rabbi, the, uh, the evangelical community in this country was almost in love with uh, Bibi Netanyahu. Um, he and Donald Trump had a very special relationship, and then the Jerusalem Accords during that whole time. The Abraham Accords. The Abraham Accords, sorry. Yeah. And now um, Naftali Bennett is the prime minister. Uh, what does that do to the relationship with the United States and the Abraham Accords? Is that, are, are we still strong on those? Yeah, the Abraham Accords are still are still strong because the Abraham Accords were not they weren't dependent on the United States being involved in them. So even though the Biden administration, in its effort to destroy everything good, has uh, has disparaged the Abraham Accords and poo pooed them while they cozy up to Iran, the Abraham Accords were really based on uh, the mutual benefit uh, that derives to to Israel and to those Arab Arab nations who realize that they don't want to have the Palestinian issue as a ball and chain holding them back from progress and they've they're basically moving on from it. Um, so there's lots of travel, there's commerce. The Abraham Accords are going are are moving along just fine. The issue of Netanyahu, look, <laughs> there was this concerted effort by the the mainstream media in Israel just like here leans left and there was a concerted effort by our media and by and by many political forces in Israel that just wanted to take Netanyahu down. Uh, he was the most successful prime minister by every measure in Israel's history uh, on security, on the economy, foreign affairs, and uh, and he was the most popular. He's still the most popular politician in the country. Uh, and uh, his party the way our party politics works, you have to form a coalition of a, of a majority. Yeah, don't if, get into that. I don't, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> no, but, please. But even, even though he... So, and the, the only reason that he couldn't form the government was that he couldn't get enough smaller parties to fill out the 61. But, but his he led by far the largest... So the Likud party, which is not in the coalition, is by far the largest party still in Israel because right. of... And, and largely due to his popularity. I'm just saying, don't, don't get into that because... It makes Americans' head spin. Oh, it makes my head spin, <laughs> yeah. and I live in Israel. Does the, is the uh, uh, Prime Minister Bennett and uh, Joe Biden, are they getting along? Is, has that relationship changed? I, I have no idea. Yeah, Biden's okay. supposed to go over and visit. I have no idea. I do know that when, that, uh, when Jake Sullivan recently came to Israel to talk to Bennett, there were some – it leaked out. There were some pretty strong differences of opinion. The Israelis are very concerned. This is also coming out in little statements and leaks are very concerned about the approach the Biden administration has taken to Iran. Yes. You raised that issue. This is very, very concerning to Israel that the Biden administration is just kind of, as you said, opening the door for Iran to create. I don't know why they're so hell-bent on allowing Iran to have nuclear weapons, it, but uh, especially well, now that Iran is, is, is getting closer, more closely aligned with, uh, 
with Russia and and uh, and China, who are the obvious adversaries of the United States of America right now, and and it's 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 baffling, but it's it's very hey, concerning. Uh, Ray, you're next. But I had this question, a couple of questions. What's the number one industry in Israel? Tourism. Is what about tech? High tech is is probably still second. Tourism what? is still the biggest. I mean, okay. it should be before COVID. Uh, tour, 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 yeah. And my, my group from 2020 is supposed to go in about a month, but we'll see how that goes. How uh, that that just seems to me that had a devastating effect. Absolutely on, devastating. It's uh, been terrible. The, the lack of tourists coming. The lack to of Israel. tourists coming has been devastating to Israel's economy. Yeah, uh, it's. But now there's. There's, you know, a new day, I think, coming. If I hope so. Omicron's gone. And, I mean, uh, I pray. Yeah. I pray. Uh, so, but, but, and so, it's especially important to the Jewish-Christian relationship because sure. a, a big driver of, of that relationship it was the, right. the millions and millions of Christians who were visiting From Israel, around the world. From around the from, world. From around the world. The number mass. one place being the U.S., but still from around the world. Oh, yeah. Christians come All from All over. The Nigeria. World. South oh, yeah. Korea. Every time we're everywhere. over there, we see Christians from Korea, Nigeria, yeah. European countries. It's, it, it, you know. All right, Ray, go ahead. You have another question for Ray. By the way, I'll well, just reset I, I this. I did, and it's, inter- we're, it's we're talking interesting. To, let me tell you. folks who we're talking to, Ray, and then you go ahead. We're talking to Rabbi Pesach Woliki, and he is executive director for the Center for Jewish Christian Understanding and Cooperation. Uh, he uh, resides in Israel. You got family there? Or? I have a wife and eight children. Yeah. Well, you can run for office right there. <laughs> you know, you got you got a good you got a good your lead. own political party. <laughs> yeah, you got, you got the Wiliki party. Well, why would I do that? Well, I know. Right? You have a hard time governing why, your own why home, would right? Anyone in their right mind? <laughs> right. Okay. So anyway, uh, he and his his wife and eight children live there in uh, in Israel. Go ahead, Ray. You know, Tim, you the, the question you just asked is what I was thinking about. So, Rabbi, uh, can we come now? I know before people would always say, is it safe in terms of terrorism and stuff? But now we've got the COVID situation. Can we come? But say a word to our listeners. Why Christians, why Christians in America should make the pilgrimage to Israel? What does it do for your faith as a believer to come to the land of the Bible? Making the pilgrimage to Israel, you know, is not just about seeing the old holy sites. Let me make that very clear. Um, the prophet Zechariah and and many other prophets, but he really spells it out in the in the uh, in the most thorough way. Chapter eight describes masses of of people among the nations who stream to the land. Of Israel and to Jerusalem at the time of its rebuilding in order to connect with the God of Israel. I'll just read you from the end of the chapter there, just a couple of verses. This is what the Lord Almighty says. This is Zechariah 8.20. Many peoples and the inhabitants of many cities will yet come. The inhabitants of one city will go to another and say, let us go at once to entreat the Lord and seek the Lord Almighty. I myself am going. And many peoples and powerful nations will come to Jerusalem to seek the Lord Almighty and to entreat him. Let's, let's understand something. The Bible doesn't just have stories about the past. It also has stories about the future. The stories about the past have names because they already happened. The stories about the future just say people. But understand something. Look at these verses. 
when you say, you know, when Tim Wildman says, hey, come to Israel with us, and you who's listening to this says, yes, I will go, you're basically fulfilling these scriptures. You become the person that Zechariah was talking about. You become that person, literally. This isn't, this isn't just a Sunday morning sermon using the verse as a, as, a, as a metaphor for some lesson. This is real. Zechariah looked into the future and saw a time when the people of Israel were being gathered, the, the city of Jerusalem would be in the process of being rebuilt, and multitudes among the nations would go to seek the God of Israel and to worship him. And remember, this was written, this is Zechariah. He lived centuries before Christianity. Why is that important? Because before Christianity, there was no such thing as someone who worshipped the God of Israel who wasn't a member of the people of Israel. It was an absurdity. Every nation had its God, and, 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 and the God of Israel was the God of the Jews. And when Zechariah said that, someone listening to it might have put up their hand and said, uh, excuse me, uh, Zechariah, why on earth would these people from other nations be worshipping our God? And Zechariah might have said, well, uh, I don't know. It's just what I'm seeing in the prophecy. I mean, that's what's going to happen in the future. Someone, you know, I'll say it another way. A, a member of the people of Israel who left Egypt and was walking through the split Red Sea didn't say to himself, hey, I'm in the Bible. You know, but it, understand that when you get on an airplane and you fly to Israel and you start and you... And why are, why are these evangelical Christians coming to Israel? They're not coming because they couldn't decide whether to go to Disneyland or Hawaii or, or Jerusalem. They're coming to seek the Lord, to seek the God of Israel, to connect with the land and to connect with the God of Israel. So when you walk the land of Israel as a, as a Christian who is connecting with God in Jerusalem, you literally become the person that Zechariah was talking about. You are writing your name into the Bible. You become that kid walking across the split Red Sea. You are in the Bible. In other words, I want Christians to understand that your visiting Israel, your support for Israel, is not just helping out the Jews in our story. You are, this, the Bible, I can't fulfill those verses that I just read. They're not about me. They're about you. So making the pilgrimage to Israel is actually living out becoming a fulfillment of scripture in a way that there's no other way to do it yeah we're just about out of time by the way did you grow up in israel or did no you grow up i did not States? grow up in israel. i grew up in the state i lived in israel for about 30 years yeah because, just uh, about 28 years now okay because uh, you you you're, you speak perfect american english thank you yeah <laughs> So, yeah. so I just English is my first language. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. but my parents live in Israel. My whole family lives in Israel. Do, Met my wife there. Would you consider? Do they consider you having a, a an accent in Israel? Oh, my a, my Hebrew is quite fluent. I've lived okay. there a long time. Yeah, twenty. How many years? Twenty eight years. Twenty eight. I I have a I don't. Occasionally, people will pick up in my syntax that I'm not Israeli, but my Hebrew, for the most part, sounds pretty Israeli. Amen. Well, listen, brother. Thanks for being with us today and sharing so much. I'm sure our listeners found all that you were able to talk about very fascinating. Amen. Almost as fascinating as Steve's shirt. Not quite, though. Not quite, though. <laughs> uh, again, your website is what? The website is cjcuc.com. But the most important way that people can really connect the podcast. is the podcast. It's called Shoulder to Shoulder. And it's a pastor and a rabbi, and we bring on guests, Jewish guests, Christian guests, and we talk about all kinds of issues that matter to people of faith from a Jewish and Christian perspective, okay. and we share our perspectives and learn from each other shoulder to shoulder on all podcast platforms. All right. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Appreciate it. Steve? My pleasure. Thank you for letting us make fun of your shirt. You're welcome. 
And uh, Ray, appreciate it. You bet. Thank you, Tim. Fred. Hey, you bet. Brent. I uh, want to thank Brent. And let's see who else. Alex was on. Chris. 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 Is that it? Yeah. I think okay. you got the team. All right. Trivia Friday. Learning University will be on the air tomorrow. Ed and JJ and yours truly. We'll see you back here then.